This is a Rooster Teeth production. Since 2007, people online have been searching for the title and artist for a mysterious song played on the radio back in the 80s. Despite the song going viral multiple times and being played on the radio again, no one seems to be able to find it. Today, we're going to talk about the most mysterious song on the internet. This is Red Web. Mystery Monday is back. We got another episode of Red Web. I am Trevor Collins, and with me, as always, is Alfredo Diaz. Dude, this sounds awesome. Yeah. The the minute you were talking about it, I was hooked. Oh, really? So it's a mystery I never thought would be a thing, right? Like a super popular song that played on the radio and no one knows who the artist is. Right. I mean... Come on, that sells itself. That sells itself, man. That's awesome. It's definitely a, like a more lighthearted mystery. Christian and I have been talking about this one for a minute now. And what's interesting is that there is new, not evidence, but I guess there's new unfoldings that come all the way up to the end of last year, 2020. So it's very recent. We parked this one for a little bit because we wanted to see if any more information would come out. It is still unsolved but it's it's interesting man it's a song back in the 80s i don't know copyright wise if we can play a snippet of the song if we can we'll play one right here There you have it. There's a snippet of the song for you. And we will post a link to the full song on our Twitter page at RedWebPod. So you can check it out there. It's uh, it's really interesting. It's very catchy. It's very 80s. Fredo, we have a link for you now here. Oh. So you can check it out before we dive into the history of this song, or at least as much as we know about it. I don't know. I got to say one of the cool things I like about what we do is is that we venture off into different things like this is this sounds like a sure it's not like grim or anything like that but this sounds so fun to dive into yeah i mean not all mysteries have to you know be dark and nefarious and around murder or disappearances or aliens but yeah sometimes there's just some mysteries out there that are like oh that's interesting but also huh (laughs) but yeah i'll let you take a listen there i mean already it sounds like a good song basic but good Right. It sounds like almost every other popular pop song in the 80s. God, I love 80s music, man. I know. I love the 80s. I love the 80s. I was, I was born in 89, so I didn't get to experience it, but... I closed out the decade. I started the next one. I was born in 1990, so like... But, man, I love the 80s as well. It's just a good sound, fun, lighthearted, good pop. And the synths, you know what I'm saying? It's good yep. stuff. Synth City. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, they've got some voices attached to it, too. Right. There's some lyrics that are kind of hard to understand so that there's a lot of confusion that arises from that. The lyricism is up for interpretation. It's certainly anyway, we'll dive into it here. So March 18th of 2007, a user online by the name of Blue, uh, with a couple extra U's in there, uploaded an excerpt of this song on spiritofradio.ca. The website is Spirit of Radio, and it's dedicated to Canadian radio station 102.1 The Edge CFNY. I feel like I should say that like a radio host. Yeah. 102.1 The Edge, Edge, Edge. But yeah, Canadian radio station. The site is particularly focused on the station as it was back in the 1980s. It is described as an 80s post-punk synth pop sort of song. It has a male vocalist or perhaps a chorus of male vocalists. To me, it sounds a little bit like the Wizard of Oz when uh, the army comes marching out and they're, oh, we, oh, right? Yeah. It has a little bit of a, a deep chorus of male voices, yeah. almost marching. I don't, I don't know. It's not marching sounding, but it certainly sounds a little bit more. I don't know. Kind of rhythmic in that like military kind of way i don't yeah maybe it's kind of like a little bit droning almost monotone but it certainly does move a little bit but yeah it's it's interesting it has some male vocalists in there regardless and it's widely believed to be in english but the singer has a distinctly european accent and we'll get into this a little later but it is also 
up for debate on if it is English. It certainly sounds like it, and it sounds familiar, but it could also, because of that accent, be anything from Russian to Polish to German to Danish. So that's what makes it so confusing is because it's it's certainly muddled and it makes it hard to figure out what they're saying, and that only complicates the mystery even further. So the same day that the song was uploaded to the website Spirit of Radio, it was also uploaded to a German website, bestof80s.de. While this was also uploaded by a user named Blue, this account named Blue had a name attached to it, that name being Anton. So now we have a little bit more information around this mysterious user named Blue. The user said that they recorded the song on a German radio station somewhere between 1982 and 1984. In another post on the site, they mentioned that they primarily used to listen to the radio show Musik for Junge Leute, or Music for Young People in English, at the NDR radio station. This led people to believe that the song was recorded from that show, so now people on the internet are saying, okay, we have, we can hone in on NDR, we can maybe find it that way. At this point, a snippet of the song made its way onto YouTube where it started to gain a little bit of traction. In 2019, Gabriel da Silva Vieira, a student from Sao Paulo, Brazil, uploaded the clip to his YouTube channel and began posting on various subreddits in an attempt to enlist more help. So in 2019 is where this really started to go viral because on July 1st, uh, the subreddit, the mysterious song, which is still active to this day, was created by Vieira. And a user on the subreddit pointed to Paul Baskerville, who was a DJ that still works at the radio station today, as someone who might have played the song. So now we have a little bit, we've taken the wide world of music all the way down to a specific radio station and DJ. So the search is becoming a little bit more linear. Yeah, a little bit more narrow. And oh man, it's just, it's such a, one of those things that easily just catches on to the, you know, like wildfire on like Reddit, you know, that's, that's a given. You toss something like that out there. I'm not surprised that it started to pick up traction. Right. I mean, the fact that you have even a snippet of a song, it gives you so much concrete material that you want to just go, okay, I absolutely can find this because you gave me something tangible. Yeah. What makes it even more interesting is kind of, as you mentioned, it's so familiar. Like, I know I've heard this song before because we've researched this before, but do you feel like you've heard it before? Because this is the first time you've heard the song. I don't feel like I've heard it before. And I mean, I'll throw on 80s playlist all the time. Well, there goes my thesis. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I guess like it definitely sounds new when you hear it for the first time. But I guess what makes it interesting is that it definitely fits that genre. You can be like, OK, no, th this sounds like it's familiar or similar to songs that you are familiar with, but not familiar itself, if that makes sense. Yes, it, it does sound like a ton of different songs that were released during that time period, but I don't yeah. remember hearing this specific song. So because of that, I think that's what gives it the foundation for a really strong mystery, because while it sounds new and that piques your interest, it sounds definitely of the time period, quality and all. But uh, a few days later, on July 10th, 2019, YouTuber Wang uploaded a video about this song. Now, I know they discussed mysteries and they were trying to dissect this song and see if they could activate their audience and maybe all of them could figure out who made this song, where it came from. And at the time of recording this podcast, that video has over 850,000 views. Ooh. So this song has certainly gained some viral traction because of the, you know, the subreddit creation and the posting of this video. It is officially viral at this point in time. What does that DJ know, though? That's a good question. So they don't really know anything yet. However, because on July 12th, the full song was actually discovered. Subsequently, the DJ then said, well, I don't know what this song is or who made it or whatever. But on July 21st of 2019, because they found the full song somewhere, someone on the Internet, Baskerville actually played the song in full on his radio station, Knocked Club asking listeners at that time to say, hey, listen to this and tell me if you remember this song. If you do, hit us up, call us up. And ultimately his efforts were unsuccessful, but that didn't stop other DJs in the area from also attempting to play this to the world oh, via radio awesome. stations. Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, you know, we've been doing a handful of these episodes and a lot of them are just like, hey, we, you know, it, it got tossed onto Reddit, it, then that's how it gained traction. And that's how I started to spread. But 
here you have other DJs picking up on it. Yup. Like that's, I don't know, something about that is just so cool. Right, the, the, the world is behind this. Yeah, right, there's not like inter like people on the internet getting behind it. I mean, they are, but like that's what we're used to. Right. We're not used to being like, oh, you know, DJs are getting behind this and they're playing it on their radio stations. And I don't know, like that makes sense, right? Because you'd have to think like these DJs, they, they're in the same circle. They must know each other. Yeah. I could just imagine them kicking back, having a conversation like, man, there's this song. Like, it's don't know who made it, where it came from, played it. No one like chimed in and right and, and said that, you know, that they heard it somewhere. They know where it's from. And in, in the same way that, you know, you talk to me about mysteries and I get intrigued is, is I just imagine these radio DJs talking to other fellow radio DJs and like it's spreading like wildfire. It's a cool image. Yeah, it really is. Especially, especially since Paul Baskerville here is the DJ who still works at the same radio station. So yeah, to kind of be doing your job for a few decades and then have the internet really light up around something that apparently happened on your radio station a few decades yeah. ago and to then come to you and say, hey, can you help us figure this out? That's so so interesting. And then like a few, I think only a month later, actually, August 20th, 2019, the song was played on German radio station, uh, Radio Eins. But again, still no new information was discovered. But regardless of no new information, that does suck. But it's still so awesome to see something happen on the internet, then translate to the real world and have people go, hey, world, have you heard this song? Yeah. But man, that's also very strange that it's crickets. No one's saying anything. No one's heard this. It's just, I mean, then again, right? When a new song comes out, I would think, just kind of thinking like young girl Fredo who listened to the radio, don't need more. When a new song came out, that's how I discovered the song. Right. And they would always say, hey, it's a new jam by a name of song is this by such and such. And that's how I knew of the song and it would play on the radio. And then that's how I gained traction to me. But if it was just played, then no one's going to know but the DJ. Exactly. Especially back then when the internet isn't wasn't as apparent, right? You don't have all these different like podcasts or like, you know, like Spotify or things like that. Uh, you know, YouTube, all that kind of stuff. So it's like it's more contained. It's it's got a, a narrow kind of like path to go through. It can't just spread out. Exactly. Yeah, we're going to dive into that, too, because you make a great point. And there's something to be said about the 80s and the transition to digital around that time or after that time. And then the advent of the Internet and its rise to popularity and its spread. And so I think we're kind of just in this awkward valley of the transitional phase where it's easy for things to be lost. We'll dive into that a little more, but the same day that this was played on that German radio station, okay, Viera was contacted by a woman named Lydia, and Lydia claimed to be the internet user Blue, aka Anton, the person that had uploaded it to the internet in the first place. Oh, here we go. Exactly, yeah. So we have a lot of tangible, you know, I just had a brainwave. The best comparison I can have for this song and how I recognize it, but also don't recognize it, it's like deja vu. It's like when you see something for the first time and you're like, it has that intangible familiarity to it, but you still haven't seen or heard it for like ever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe it's a glitch in the Matrix, this song, huh? Oh, man. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, man. I just deflated my, you. My, no, no. My <laughs> mind. No, no, it no. <laughs> it's because my mind just started going into like adding the world and lore of the matrix to this i, I like mm. like light speed i just started going down that path right like light speed you're like oh my god zion's reaching out morpheus wants me in that sweaty dance <laughs> oh maybe that's what they're playing down in zion when they're partying hey, <laughs> music? Hell yeah. okay well so now we have lydia lydia's like i'm the person who originally posted this song online i'm anton i'm blue she explains that it was her brother Darius who originally recorded this song back in the 80s when her brother would have been around 14 or 15 years old. She included a track list from her brother containing other songs that he had also recorded around the same time. Okay, cool. Because I was I was going to ask, like, I was waiting for the other foot to drop. I need some proof, right? Like, right. We so many times people, I'll bring it up again, whether it's like I was there or I did the murder. It's like, what? receipts baby people just want to just take they want to mm. take credit for these things exactly especially when there's a name and you're like 
hey, I'm Lydia, but also I'm Anton, I'm uh, which is also blue. <laughs> yeah. Like that's hard to that's hard to do. Like how are you going to claim on. that when there's no real reason to have faked your name in the first place, you know? Right. Why say Anton then? But anyway, uh, on this track list, it has been identified that the track list referencing this song in particular is simply written down by her brother, Darius, as, quote, question mark, dash, blind the wind. Now, I asked Jillian, one of our researchers, about this kind of, is is it the song name is Blind the Wind? Is that the band name? And it's kind of up in the air. It's it's to interpretation. There is no band officially attached to this song. And obviously there's no song name officially attached to this song because it's all unknown. So it is referred to as Blind the Wind, sometimes referred to as Like the Wind. And all of that stems from the fact that the language in the song is incredibly difficult to dissect and to understand in a clear manner. So it again, it leaves you really open to interpretation. Right. If you listen to the song, the lyrics can say this or that, and that really complicates the search, right? Mm-hmm. So people began to look at the release dates of the other songs that were on this tape, but they even considered the manufacturing date of the tape itself. So the internet sleuths here are really diving in. These are Redditors, these are Discord users, there's a lot of people on this. And from this information, it is now widely believed that the song was recorded specifically in the year 1984. So Lydia then sent the recording of the entire mixtape. So that way there could be no gaps in the information. Like you said, when songs are played on the internet, people tend to say, this is by so-and-so, here's the name of the song. Mm -hmm. They hype it up because this is like a great way for people to identify songs. Now, when the full mixtape recording came in, unfortunately, there is no such preamble. So either the recording started after the title and artist were announced or that simply just wasn't done. No one mentioned the song, the name or artist. Yeah. So... Yeah, uh, we have the gaps filled in as much as possible on the recording side, but no new information. Like, I was disappointed to be like, oh man, the tape didn't record. But then again, I was like, well, then it wouldn't be too much of a mystery, right? Right. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, so I have the tape. It says the artist. (laughs) It's like in the act two of the movie when you're like, oh my God, they're definitely going to get out of here. And then you go, well, I guess the movie is called Saw and they wouldn't just be able to walk out of here, right? You have to have something. (laughs) So at this point in time, the song is viral. It's continuing to gain global traction. It is playing on various European radio stations across the continent. And several articles from various publications were actually written about the song. In fact, Rolling Stone had an article about this song. So this song has really transcended from the internet to pop culture at large. Yeah, I mean, the the Rolling Stones are talking about it. This is... This is huge, right? Yeah. Not the not the band, but the magazine. Right, the magazine. Damn. Cause then we're going from like Reddit and YouTube to like worldwide. International. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. We're we're transcending the different formats of media. Now, what's interesting here to me is any garage bands listening at home, any up and coming artists who might be listening, take some notes. Maybe this is a viral marketing campaign. You know, kind of just put your song through a lo-fi filter and say, hey, you guys remember that 70s rock song? And if, you know, (laughs) if that's your genre, that's your style. (laughs) And then you put it out there and people go, wow, this is really good, but I have no idea where it's from. And then give them a year, give them two years, kick the door down, say, here's my single. Here's my, no, I, here's my full self-titled album. Tricked you. You liked it. Then you're famous. (laughs) That's, that's, man, what a. Just don't throw all the eggs in that basket. Right. Because remember, this started in 2007. (laughs) So, man, they are are really building up that marketing campaign. That's a long grind. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, so there's publications, radio stations are playing this. And efforts to find the song continue to go so far as consulting the GEMA database. GEMA is a society for musical performing and mechanical reproduction rights. So they, they hold a lot of records. It is essentially a government-mandated organization that collects music and usage rights for songs and creators, so that way there's a library for this information. Ultimately, though, this yielded no results. Damn. So, I I mean, I gotta ask you, like, I don't know how in tune with, like, the music world you are. I know you love music, I know you listen to it, but, like, I would love to get your kind of gut reactions theory-wise, kind of before we get to the theories. 
on what you think might be going on here. So my gut reaction to this is that it might be like a uh, like the artist Sia, I believe. Uh huh. Where it was just someone who loved music, loved creating music, but didn't want like to deal with the fame and all the BS that comes with it. Right, being the face of it. Yeah, so they wanted to create this, put it out there, but didn't want to be in the spotlight. That's my gut reaction. That makes a lot of sense, you know, because what I was thinking kind of at this point is something similar, but someone who has, Sia has a very proven track record. She writes a lot of songs, produces a lot of content mm -hmm. for, for other artists, and then obviously had her own songs. I would think, what if it's like, again, an up and coming artist, perhaps that, you know, I, I've had a few garage bands in my day and we had some unique songs and who knows, maybe there's a recording of one of those and someday down the line, what if, because there's thousands and thousands of unheard bands that do make pretty solid songs and maybe they just never got their proper breakout and a song kind of found its way into pop culture or whatever and it's from a band that maybe was existed for a blink of an eye. Anyway, I'm jumping way ahead of theories, but that's just kind of what my, my gut is feeling right now. Yeah, that's an interesting gut check. Yeah. A question that kind of popped into my head. Yeah. Do we know how the DJ curated the songs during those times? That's a really good question, actually. I do not know. I'm sure it was genre-based, kind of like this song is kind of um, post-punk, sort of synth pop. Maybe it was mm -hmm. a radio station that played that kind of genre, but Christian... Perhaps you might know, or maybe you can do some more digging on the back end here to see if we know any more. From what I remember of the research, he basically had a backlog of music from a bunch of local bands and unsigned bands, and it was one of the situations where he just plays the music that he gets and it was a situation where I believe an artist could send the song themselves mm. and so it was just that he had such a massive bank of music but I'll I'll do some double checking and and see that makes sense I mean yeah. I, I love a I love a radio DJ that is willing to give opportunities to uh, up and coming artists, but that does complicate things a little bit. <laughs> right, because it could be anything from just this person deciding to be anonymous and just dropping off like a tape or something like that at the station. Right. Or it could be someone's mom and just like, oh my my son and his friends made some like a pretty cool song. I'll drop it off at the station. Right. You know, maybe she recorded it through the kitchen wall. She's like, "Ooh, this is good. I'm <laughs> yeah. going to get my little boys this big break. Mom, you're going to pay mama's bills. I mean, yeah, it leaves it up to imagination. Found a little bit more on Baskerville and what he played on his show. Nothing explicitly confirms, but he says that and this is in the Rolling Stone article. He recalled playing tapes from underground Eastern rock bands, some of which were mailed to him from over the Berlin Wall. I suppose it could be safe to assume that, yeah, he basically just played a variety of tracks that were sent to him, and he just had, like I said, that massive backlog that he just kept adding to. Wow. That is actually deeply fascinating, and it really, yeah. you know, paints a picture as to why this is a mystery how this was certainly underground given all of the political circumstances happening at the time. Mm -hmm. Whoa, that's really cool. Yeah. Wow. I like, I, mm, I like that. Yeah. I, I love hate that. <laughs> you know, the fact that, <laughs> the fact that it had to be underground, but the fact that it did surface, that is, I don't know, man, there's something like that is deeply touching about that. A little slice of history there. To give an idea of that massive backlog, according to the Rolling Stone article, he says that he has a collection of about 10,000 vinyl records. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, he just consumed music. Yep. Man, that sounds like a pretty cool job, though. Hey, everybody, welcome back to The Gap in the Mystery, where I like to talk to you, the intrepid task force, the ones with the pins and the shirts and the hats and the hoodies. Anyway, speaking of those... Excellent segue, self. Nice. High five. That's a reminder. We have store.roosterteeth.com where you can pick up some Red Web merch and represent the task force out in the great beyond so you can let people know that you love yourself some mysteries. You love yourself a classy. I've got a monocle on right now. You can't see it. A classy podcast. And right now we finally refreshed our shirts and pins and our hat and our poster and our t-shirt and our mug so you can you can support the show in many different ways. If you want to hang us on your wall or drink coffee out of us uh, or just represent us with a nice long sleeve. Uh, we have our hood 
hoodie as well. It is yet to be refreshed. We have some logistical challenges with uh, with quarantine and everything going on. You know how it is. But uh, we have a hoodie in there, and we have a new limited edition hoodie coming soon. We'll let you know right here on this podcast when that will be available. It might be there now. I don't know. The way online works is a mystery. Maybe someday we'll cover it. But with that said, let's talk about some of our sponsors. This episode of Red Web is brought to you by The Jordan Harbinger Show. Want a new podcast to look forward to each week? One that's entertaining, informative, and packed with actionable content? Well, then add The Jordan Harbinger, a top-shelf podcast named Best of Apple in 2018. Add that to your list. Put it right at the top, right below Red Web, perhaps. I don't know. Listen. Jordan is a talented individual and interviewer who dives into the minds of fascinating people from athletes and authors and scientists to mobsters and spies and hostage negotiators. He talks to a whole bunch of different people. I think you are really going to enjoy this podcast, if especially if you like what we do here on Red Web. There are a lot of episodes I would recommend that you check out regarding mysteries. There's a lot of really cool topics and they hit a wide swath of subjects. Point blank, Jordan Harbinger is funny, smart, and easy to listen to. You'll be pressed to find an episode without excellent conversation, a few laughs, and actionable advice that can directly improve your life. You can't go wrong with adding The Jordan Harbinger Show to your rotation. There's never any dull episode, so search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode of Red Web is also sponsored by Brook Linen. Well, it's spring again. Time flies when you're having a good time here. And uh, and you know what that means when it comes to spring. It might be time for a change, especially around the house. So why not make a change that makes you feel extra comfy, all while making your home look a little bit better? Enter your betting hero, Brook Linen. Brooklinen was started to create beautiful, high-quality home goods that don't cost a ton, and man, do they deliver. I'm talking buttery soft, breathable sheets, and plush towels. They even make robes and loungewear, because otherwise, how would you ever get out of bed in the morning and leave your Brooklinen sheets? I was fortunate enough to get some Brooklinen sheets, the whole set, from them, and man, they are my go-to default sheets, 100%. I really enjoy how soft they are, they don't get too warm, They stay exactly the right temperature, whether it's the winter or whether it's the summertime. And there's nothing better than sliding into your Brooklinen sheets, freshly washed, ready to go into bed after a long day of work. I really love them. I do. So give yourself the comfort refresh that you deserve and get it for less at Brooklinen. Go to brooklinen.com and use promo code REDWEB to get $20 off with a minimum purchase of $100. That's B-R-O-O-K. L-I-N-E-N dot com and enter promo code REDWEB. That's $20 off with a minimum purchase of $100. Let them know we sent you. Get yourself to slide into some cozy sheets, maybe a nice towel or two. That's brooklinen.com, promo code REDWEB. And with that said, let's dive back into the mystery. Well, speaking of DJ Baskerville, right, uh, and all of the songs that he curated from established and the unestablished. On July 9th of 2020, Reddit user FlexOnMobile claimed to have found a complete list of songs that was played by the DJ on their radio show. So after users across the web completed a spreadsheet of every song on the log, there were only a few songs that could not be found on YouTube or other websites. So in this case, they found other songs by the artist and compared those to the mysterious song here, AKA TMS. This is TMS being the mysterious song. That's probably what we're going to refer to it for simplicity moving forward. But they compared some of the artists here to this song and uh, to see if there was any like, okay, well, this one wasn't found. So uh, is there a relation between these? Ultimately, none of these songs matched up though. But it does start to give you another angle to research, right? Maybe you can start looking at specific artists or what have you. Mm -hmm. But the more people started to look at this, the more it started to seem that maybe Baskerville didn't play this song at all. What? What a twist. What a twist. However, NDR had many other DJs that could have played it, and they're continuing to provide the track lists from the NDR archive. So, you know, internet users are continuing to do some legwork here and saying, okay, maybe Baskerville is off the table, but let's dive into the the wider archive of NDR. Let's let's dive into the other DJs and see if maybe they played it. 
one of the first bands ever suggested to have been the band associated with this song was Statues in Motion. They were a Greek band that released one self-titled album in 1983. Now, in 2013, there was actually a re-release of this very album. And that re-release included a previously lost song called Pinky Complex. So some believe that this might be the album, that this might be the band. And the fact that the re-release had a previously lost song on it might indicate that, hey, maybe this mysterious song here is yet another lost song. So we have another thread to follow. We feel so close. But wouldn't we just try and contact the artist then? Excellent point. Excellent <laughs> question. So here we are. We're, we're about to do that. We're going to jump back in time for just a hot second because back another year, right? Back on July of 1st of 2019, Viera, the person who I referred to earlier, actually contacted Billy Knight, who was the guitarist for this band. Here we go. And said, hey, is this your song? Do you recognize it? Yada, yada. Billy said, no, this is not their song. Well, let's flash forward back to the present as far as the timeline is concerned here. So now we're back in 2020, in October to be specific. Reddit user Camspiracy also contacted Billy Knight asking, hey, is this your song? Do you recognize this song in any way? At this point, Billy then answered, quote, what's done is done and said that there was no room on the album for this song like there was for Pinky Complex. Basically indicating that, yes, this is their song. This is yet another lost song, but it still didn't belong on the album like the other lost song did, Pinky Complex, right? Oh, man. I mean, like bands have a falling out all the time, but it's just, oh. One, right. one person saying no, the other person saying uh, kind of saying yes. Uh, right. What? The guitarist to two different people over the spread of a year giving two opposite <laughs> answers. And there's more details here, too, because Camspiracy kept the conversation up. They're saying, OK, well, sounds like you know the song. Do you know what the name of the song is? Because online, it's mostly referred to as Like the Wind. And Billy said, eh, that's fine. You can call it that because it never really had a name. So go ahead and call it Like the Wind. Oh. <laughs> that's frustrating what's the lyric man damn it dude <laughs> yeah at that point what's the lyric give us something yeah well here there's a little bit more something but dang it if it doesn't make things more complicated so billy also said that the mysterious song was recorded in 1982 okay so we have a little bit more evidence that kind of lines up with the release of 1984 but this sparked a lot of controversy because a lot of the uh, music folk that are really into uh, the audiophiles, as it were, right. they focused on the music in the, in the instrumentation. And they said the synthesizer that they were using in the song, they believed to have come from the Yamaha DX7. Here's the wrinkle. That wasn't released until 1983. So is this a case of misremembering or is this a case of, okay, this guy's just digging into the mystery and kind of yeah. throwing smoke a little bit? Uh, we'll never, uh, I feel like, I mean, it's probably something we'll never know. Well, after more questioning, as you can imagine, the internet can be a little bit, uh, you know, singularly minded and, and diving in a little bit, potentially aggressively. I don't want to pretend I know what's what really happened here. Yeah. But after more questioning, it seemed like Billy got very annoyed and didn't want to provide any more information. And so this is kind of one of those things where we recognize this trend now, you and I, in mysteries where someone says one thing, then they say another thing. And then they provide some information that also provides more wrinkles. And it just seems like they add more confusion than it's worth. And then they disappear or they say, I don't want to answer anymore. I don't, I don't get it because like they just don't know. And then they've hit a wall or they're frustrated because they have to do more work to get famous off of something that they didn't like. Oh, that's a good question. Like, what's the motive? Is it that you're frustrated by needing to build more lies and substantiate those lies? Are you stressed by the fact that you have this group online searching for answers and they want irrefutable proof and they just, yep. and even when you give them as much as you can humanly remember, they're still like, that's not enough. You're lying. You're not being truthful. You know, and, and that's kind of what happened here a little bit. You know, there were people that wanted that irrefutable proof and do believe that he wasn't being truthful. And I can also see it, you know, it's decades at this time almost 40 years on now yeah. that, that that song was supposedly recorded. So, you know, it's hard to say. Is Billy being honest? Is the internet onto something with Billy's dishonesty? It's 
I don't know, man. It's but it's certainly a just a big old wrinkle. It's a big old mess. <laughs> like, it's a big old mess. Damn it. <laughs> I mean, because that's you know that was the question that I had. I was like, let's check in with the the artist and right. Mm, one says yes, one says no. Oh my god. Right. It's frustrating. But regardless of all of that, what's interesting is that it doesn't change what the guitarist is saying. When people listen to the Statues in Motion band and then they listen to this song, they say the vocalist sounds so incredibly similar that it has to be them. Now, obviously, the way people sing can be a style. You think of Bob Dylan or, or even like the way George Harrison started to sing. There's like an overlap in style. Tom Petty, like they all have a similar sound as an example. Yeah. And that could be what's happening here. You know, maybe these artists, these vocalists just sound the same. Or maybe, maybe they are the same person. Now, what's interesting here is that there is a little bit more information here. In the messages with Camp Spiracy, they're kind of looking back on their conversation with Billy. And Billy keeps referring to it as Alvin's song. And Alvin refers to Alvin Dean, who was in fact the lead singer of Statues in Motion. So there is a possibility here that this could have been Alvin's side project. And maybe that's why it didn't belong on the album, right? This happened a lot, again, going back to George Harrison and the Beatles. George Harrison's first solo album was all songs that he had written during the time of the Beatles that the Beatles had then rejected. So there is like, that's commonplace that maybe one of the members went off, wrote something, did their own thing, and uh, and then just kind of silently died. A lot of bands don't like that. Yeah. And maybe this is, this could be why Billy felt a little bit more tense when people were diving into it. Maybe it was personal in but, a way. But after so long, like... I, yeah, I don't know. And, and this is kind of uncertain, but it seems like Alvin and Billy haven't had contact since the band broke up back in 1983. So, you know, if the last memory you have of this person is, I don't know, I don't want to pretend I'm, uh, I don't want to build up a narrative that doesn't exist, but yeah. regardless, they basically haven't been in contact. And, and to this day, it's still uncertain if Alvin is alive or dead. And so we might not ever get answers to, hey, was this simply a side project that just didn't make sense on the album or is there more there so wait we don't know if they're alive or dead we don't have any contact information with alvin dean it seems like oh we know his name and that's it damn okay yeah so this is ultimately where the leads go cold because at the end of the day we don't really know how to contact alvin dean and we don't know anyone who would know alvin in order to build those connections so this is kind of where the song or all the leads up till now end. And uh, just for the sake of uh, the history here and wrapping it up, the only recent news we have is that the song was created by Austrian musicians, Ronnie Rocket and Christian Brandl. But that is another piece of news that has yet to be confirmed. Oh, man. But that's what we got. That's the history of the most mysterious song on the internet. I actually do want to jump in just real quick. There actually has been another more recent development that I found while I was looking up the Baskerville stuff. On November 14th, 2020, so just a few months ago, Baskerville went on a German public television show and gave an interview where he theorized that this song could have been a demo tape that the station likely would have disposed of. But he also confirmed that the archivists at the station were going through backlogs of playlists looking for a potential match because apparently that station takes it as a point of pride that they never forget anything. Oh, I love that. As the year came to a close, and I'll just read this verbatim, it was discovered that the audio recording of the song has a signature line of 10 kilohertz which is common with other known recordings from that station during that time. So this essentially proves that it was played by that station, which is some of the first actual concrete evidence that it was actually played on the radio. I love that. Whoa. Okay. So two things there that, that just like blow me out of the water. One, I love the fact that it's just by coincidence, right? That this station, it takes their pride in knowing everything that they played. So uh -huh. now they're just, they're fully invested. Yep. And those are the people you really want to get fully invested. And then I didn't know there was like a, like a signature like frequency that they add to songs. That's really fascinating. I, I feel like, I guess it makes sense, you know, whether things get bootlegged or copyrighted or whatever. Like some people do audio watermarks, right? Where they say, this is a so-and-so production. But I mean, if they have a signature thing in there, they could be like, you got that from us. That's so specific. Both of those facts are so like interesting, but they're so specific to this mystery. Like 
almost as if someone went back in time and said, all right, put this in the song and make sure you you keep pride in remembering all the songs you play. That's an amazing piece of info. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks, Christian, for that update. That's really good insight. But OK, so that is all we know thus far on the most mysterious song. Now, let's dive into the theories. Unlike most episodes, you know, the theories here aren't going to hold a lot of information. This is just one of those mysteries that kind of just stands on its own. It is what it is. But there are a few attempted theories that try to at least put our minds at ease as to what happened here. So the first and probably most prominent being that this is simply a song that was lost to time. You know, it's extremely common for bands to record songs that never get properly released or maybe never hit mainstream beyond a single radio play or, or a couple radio plays. Mm -hmm. And recording in the 1980s, as we were kind of talking about before, it was actually a little harder to archive prior to the digital age and prior to the expansion of hard drives. Like now I can have a thumb drive that can hold so many different albums. But in the 80s, that was just not the case. You even think to the, like the early iPods, right? They, yeah. they didn't have a lot of whole space, you know? No, not at all. Uh, so this makes sense that this could be just kind of the valley in the uh, archive system. Other pieces that kind of fit into this theory that kind of makes sense that is that this could be the band's only recording, mm -hmm. uh, especially, you know, if it was that side project theory, you know, and something similar actually happened to another song from the 80s. And this one was figured out and we know everything about it, but it's known as Stay the Second Time Around. It first gained popularity in 2004 as Internet Sleuths tried to figure out who made this song and find out more information about the song in general. Now, the original artist was Johan Lindel. They were eventually tracked down, as well as the song's true name. It was actually called Up on the Roof. Oh. And he said that he had no idea at all about the song's popularity. Quote, I never visit the internet and I hardly use the computer. End quote. Yeah. So maybe that's Alvin. Maybe Alvin's out there just kicking around, enjoying his life. And just doesn't know. Right. 40 years on, he would be, you know... If, if he was in his young 20s, let's just say, as a young artist, or maybe in his teens as a young artist, that's, you know, he's in his 50s or 60s, and maybe he doesn't really care to be on the internet for any reason. That's not un uncommon at all. For sure. So, maybe that's what happened here. And it makes sense, you know, uh, whether it was a side gig or not, or just, uh, you know, because that's how Trent Reznor kind of did his stuff, right? Nine Inch Nails, like, he just started recording stuff, and then he made the band, and then he also started doing his own thing on the side. Like, it's totally frequent. I, I could give you a thousand examples of that. Uh, but before we close out this theory, I do want to say one little wrinkle is that since Baskerville and most other DJs tended to play songs from vinyl, this seems to indicate that it's unlikely that there was only one copy. Therefore, it would be hard to be a song that was lost to time because one doesn't simply just make a vinyl. To make a vinyl, you have to make an imprinting, and usually a vinyl, it's its a its a hard process to go through to make one vinyl. So it, yeah. there tends to be several, or at least a series of prints. So, I don't know. It's interesting, though. I think that this makes a whole lot of sense. That, oh, man. Oh, there's like so many, it's like we get to contact so many people, and, and but here's the thing. I mean, the radio station's still looking into it, too, so there's... Yeah. There definitely could be an update episode for this. The fact that we're recording this almost guarantees there's going to be an update. There's something going <laughs> on, man. And I don't, again, I don't know if it's that effect where you buy a Honda, so you see Honda everywhere. Right. Or whatever. But every time we do an episode, even if we sleep on it for a bit, something happens. Like the first update in years happens, right? We had planned to do <laughs> yeah. uh, Zodiac and then boom, before we got there, the puzzle was solved. We we did Satoshi Nakamoto with the Bitcoin stuff and mm -hmm. we talked about a wallet that had no movement, no traction. Boom, suddenly that wallet moves and it's it's wild. Something in the air. Maybe we live in a simulation. <laughs> Circle it back to the matrix. <laughs> I'll never let it leave. But yeah, like let's talk about some more more outlandish theories, but still deeply fascinating. So yeah. another one of the theories is that this is a song with a coded message. It doesn't necessarily try to address who made the song or where it came from, other than it having a coded message steeped in the time, right? Because the lyrics do seem to be about the Cold War. Uh, with the context that Christian provided earlier, this does seem to be from a certain side of the Berlin Wall. I don't want to dive into the uh, the history of all of that. So th there's a huge possibility for there being a message in here for someone to either get to the outside world or to express themselves in a, in a way that they otherwise were maybe forbidden to do. Uh, some also suggest that these lyrics aren't English at all. 
that instead that they're a European language of some sort, perhaps Danish or German. You know, in the interview with Rolling Stone that Christian mentioned, Baskerville actually said, quote, it sounds like the bad English that Germans might sing, but it could also be Polish or Russian. So, you know, that tends to happen. People, especially of that time, Germans might put English hooks in their song or in their yeah. choruses, and, and that helps it get some popularity internationally. And, uh, and when they say bad English, it's probably because it's not their first language. And so it's right. almost direct translations and it's uh, you know, maybe not grammatically correct, but that could be what's happening with this song. It's totally possible. And maybe that's why it's got that, okay, I guess it's maybe English. I can understand this. You, so you can pull some English words out of it. But then it, it's also like, but it also doesn't sound English at the same time. It's weird. It, it doesn't, but it, like off the bat, I didn't think to myself, that this i don't know it's it really oddly rides that fine line like mm-hmm. listening to it i didn't think oh this isn't english but i don't know yeah i i, I just more thoughts so, like what am i hearing you know have you seen that that guy on tiktok who is a polyglot where basically he can speak fluently in many different languages and he's so good at it that he can speak gibberish in any language so he says, this is what English, for example, sounds like to someone who doesn't speak English. This is what uh, Spanish might sound like, etc. And he speaks gibberish in all of these languages. And it's so weird because you're like, oh, my God, that sounds like English. I recognize that. But also you're not saying anything. I feel like blown, the English part would blow my mind. Yeah, it's so cool and so accurate, but also so weird and unsettling. But yeah, I mean, the, there, there's a possibility here of a, of a coded message, certainly. But the last theory associated with this song I find incredibly interesting. I don't know if you could hang your hat on it, but it's that this song comes from an alternate reality. Now, what's interesting is that I feel like we can't go a single mystery without opening the chapter to another mystery. But I love the idea of this, and maybe someday we will dive into the Mandela effect and the idea of alternate realities and multiverses and whatnot. But the idea here is that at some point in time, you know, every decision that's made splits off a new reality and that there's an infinite amount. And so somewhere there is an, a reality that is exactly the same as ours up until the point of right now where I decide to say left and the other person decided to say right, the other version of me. So many realities, so many mm-hmm. choices, so many people. Oh yeah. And then when you have unlimited, possibilities are truly endless. And so what the theory proposes is that at some point, somehow this song left that reality and entered this one, that there was for a brief moment in time, a a swap of realities where some people are like, okay, I recognize this song, I recorded this song, but maybe they recorded it in a different reality where it does exist and people do know that song. Whereas in this reality, it never did exist, but somehow the recording made it over. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's what you're talking about. Just kind of like somehow some way spilled over. Yeah, it's really spooky, but I love Damn. thinking about that kind of thing. That's like, yeah. whoo. I love it. It's definitely like super out there, but it's such an interesting theory that you can apply to so many mysteries. Right, exactly. Of just like, it just so happened to land on our reality from a different one. And that's why it's just so hard to explain. Right. The thing that's interesting too about alternate reality theory is, and I hate that I just gave it a name. It it could totally replace ancient alien theory or or any theory because if you start giving you think rick and morty right like everything exists and anything that you could think of possibly has to exist somewhere if there are infinite realities and if they can speak to each other and cross over you could almost attempt to answer any unknown thing mystery or whatever by saying well there was a a subtle crossover at one point in time maybe there's a time and space where all humans are actually moth people and that's how mothman got his way over here for just a little a little glimpse exactly or even you know we just recorded bermuda triangle maybe uh maybe some there's like a gateway there where realities are just spliced and uh yeah when you disappear you actually show up somewhere else could you imagine a reality where the bermuda triangle provides a ship that never existed rather than disappearing one. Oh, yeah i mean at that point there's there's there'd probably a be a red web podcast where the podcast is about telling people the um possibility that doesn't exist <laughs> oh my god because all the possibilities that do exist at that point it's like that's common mm-hmm. what's uncommon is the possibilities that don't exist it's getting, <laughs> it's getting out it's getting crazy 
Right. Well, those are the theories, and that's the song. You know, despite everyone on the internet's best efforts to track down this song and its original artist, it seems like there is no more information yet to be found, or at least whatever we don't know is still unknown. Uh, while the search continues and the mystery remains popular, some have lost interest, and in the, in the mystery is losing a bit of steam. But some really never had much interest at all in the interview again with Baskerville on Rolling Stone. He says, quote, I don't want to sound like a traitor to the cause, but I don't know what all the fuss is about. I don't think it's a particularly interesting song. And so there you have it, the, the bifurcation of interests. I think there's a lot of reasons why this is interesting to some, but I also totally understand why this might fizzle out. Maybe maybe the solution is just as simple just as grumpy a long song. <laughs> he sounds a little grump. He sounds a little grumpy. grumpy. About it. Why? <laughs> yeah, well, man, here's the thing. They pride themselves on remembering songs, and so maybe he's like, listen, this is the one. Just let it go. Yeah. I, I love this. I love the uh, the idea that not all mysteries have to be so dark and, and scary, but sometimes they're just like, wow, that's interesting. I love, I, I mean, this was a fun one. Yeah. This is so cool. It's just a song that like, obviously like there's a, there's, there's probably a mystery in any category in any hobby shape or form that exists, you know, on our planet or reality. If you want to start getting back into that. Right. But I don't know, just you don't really think of all it, right? It never really crosses your mind. So the fact that there's this song that played and no one knows who made it, that's so cool. Right. You know what's interesting too? And I'm just going to put this out there because the Loki series is coming. This isn't a sponsor or anything. I Because there, there's a lot of mysteries tucked into that series, at least that we've seen so far from teases. We're going to try to cover as many of those as possible. So that way you can go into that show informed. I would love for Loki to be the one who recorded this song. Because it's, <laughs> it's close to the time period, I think, that that is danced around in in some of those. Anyway, I don't know. That's just uh, just my old geek brain geeking out a little bit. But. It, would, it would be funny to just see maybe a couple seconds where he's just recording a song yeah. and just throws it out there. Yeah, he's in the time stream, man. He's messing it up. But anyway, that's the, the Internet's most mysterious song. would love to know what you guys think about it. You can hit us up in the comments section for this podcast on roosterteeth.com. Or in the reviews section of iTunes, if you want to leave us a five star, it really means a lot. Or hit us up on Twitter at RedWebPod. Uh, you know, we're always hanging out there. We post photos and, and now some audio snippets of topics we discuss. And that's another way that we can stay connected with you all. But oh, and if you prefer email, there is an email that you can send mysteries our way that you want us to explore. RedWeb at RoosterTeeth.com. Uh, it's official. It exists. Let us know if you find a mystery. With that said, we'll see you, Fredo, for another mystery next Monday. Oh, damn. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye.